of Galatians and titled free. We got it there. It's boom free. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Chris, you're amazing. You're doing the ma- the work of two men free. Like I said, uh, this book, uh, this epistle, this letter to the Galatians, the region of Galatians to the churches in the, in Galatia, it's not just to one church, but to multiple churches meant to be read and spread throughout is an unbelievable book, uh, at depicting the gospel, giving us the gospel, salvation being found in faith in Christ alone, nothing else. And so, uh, as we're going through this, it's going to, we're going to be dealing with freedom from the law, freedom from thinking that we're the ones that produce the righteousness, freedom from sin, freedom to walk in the spirit and freedom to let God move in your life, freedom from everything. So, uh, it's going to be really, really good. I encourage you to be a part of it. I'm very excited about going through this book. Uh, let's pray. We'll get started right now. God, thank you so much for this time, for each person here. We pray that you would speak to us by your word through your spirit, Lord, that we would um, have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would be attentive to what you're trying to show us and teach us. And God, that it would impact us and change us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the book of Galatians was written out of serious concern by the apostle Paul. Uh, it, this region, the region of Galatia, which is like modern day Turkey, uh, was part of one of his missionary journeys. He'd gone through and, and, uh, and had, had relationship with this church and, uh, was, was stoked on what God was doing, but had gotten, he had gotten word, uh, in Antioch of what was taking place in Galatia. So, you know, when Jesus rose you know, from the dead and then was ascended into heaven. The initial church was Jews, right? That's who was there. It was all basically Jews that became Christians, Messianic Jews. And it was a beautiful work that God was doing. But then we know that work had, you know, become don't call unclean what I've called clean. It had been opened up to the Gentiles, the engrafted branches, which most of us are Gentiles. We're not of Jewish descent. Maybe you are, then you have that to claim and you can, you get an extra star, you know, God's chosen people beforehand. No, that's not what we're talking about. But, um, there, uh, was the Gentiles were brought in. And actually at this point, probably over half the church or around half the church was made up of Gentiles. So some of the Jews kind of didn't like that because the Gentiles had been viewed as kind of dirty, unclean. Um, No, we're God's people. There was a bit of pride that came up, even though they had said Jesus is our savior. And they recognized that it was by, you know, it was faith in him alone. It was what he had done on the cross. They were upset that the Gentiles were getting the same treatment. And so there was a movement that had started amongst these Jews, and it was spreading throughout, especially in Galatia, those who were returning to the law as added righteousness. So they basically would come in and say, okay, great, you're a Christian, that's awesome. Now you got to get circumcised. Now you got to follow the laws. And Paul's furious about it. Matter of fact, as he starts this book, most of the time he's 
you know, complimenting them. And he's saying nice things like even to the Corinthians, we just got done going through first and second Corinthians and we know all their issues, but he gives them a great report right off the bat. Like you guys, God is doing a cool thing in you. There's gifts and there's things happening. Cool. This is awesome. With the Galatians, he's like, uh, let's get to business (laughs) right away. He's, he, he cannot believe what's taking place, and, and he wants to cut it off at the head because he knows that it's devastating to the good news of the gospel. This book was written around 50 AD, um, rough, roughly 15 years after the Apostle Paul had gotten saved. So um, that's kind of where it all starts from. The book itself has been labeled, I, I read in several commentaries, they call it Galatians, has been called the, the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. Um, so kind of like the iconic book for us to remember our liberty in Christ. And we all love freedom. We all want liberty. There is no greater freedom or liberty than we find in the book of Galatians. Because that's et- you know, eternal. That's uh, more than just here on earth. But uh, you know, it transcends that Martin, uh, Martin Luther stated he was married to be married to this book. He loved this book. It was part of his, um, the Protestant reformation because he saw some things that he saw thought weren't, were not where they were supposed to be. And he was liberated by the word of God to do something about it. There's much, there's just as much need for freedom now as there was then, um, and in Christ. And so let's dive in. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Again, we see, we saw this throughout 2 Corinthians, Paul affirming or stating his authority as an apostle. And, um, you know, we kind of, as we're going through Corinthians, you'll remember he was, you know, the reason he was doing it is because he says, I need you to know, like, that I represent God on this. Like, I love you and I can't let you believe that these other apostles are real. Like, you know, they were manipulative. They were using uh, those believers. And so Paul's like, you need to understand I'm an apostle, an apostle, meaning one who is sent with a commission, like God sent them to do something. And Paul's going to say that right here, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead. I'm an apostle because because God sent me like I was not appointed by you. Paul wouldn't have won a popularity contest with them. I don't think you would have won it anywhere. To be honest, God used him. God called him and he wasn't backing down from that call. And he's making it clear. This is not God's, this is God's idea, not mine. And, and, and who is it? The one that empowers him. Well, it's, it, it, he kind of already gives a glimpse of what the gospel message is. So it's not through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Our power, my apostleship stands in the fact that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. That's why I have the power, the authority to do this. That is where all the power lies and stands. If you remember back to in 2 Corinthians, he says that like, you know, if I, if I find myself outside of the gospel, there's no power there. Like if, if I move on beyond that, all power is gone. The power is found in the gospel. Its power is found in Christ. And so Paul's saying in that, you know, that that's why that's who he is. Um, the Judaizers 
who had come in, that's those people who were re- bringing in the law and, and, and putting people under a, a yoke of bondage again, they had begun to discredit Paul. They're kind of like saying, who is Paul anyway? Like, why do you need to listen to him, right? Like, that's kind of like, you know, why do you, oh, so your parents told you not to do that? Why do you listen to your parents? Like, who, to, who what makes them boss? They're not perfect. They made mistakes. They've probably done worse than you. And, you know, starts discrediting, undermining. And so Paul's saying, like, look, I have this position, and it was given to me by, by God, and it's for a good thing to keep, to keep you and help you and to see you through. Um, Martin Luther kind of spoke to Paul speaking out or thinking of his authority and, and, and harking on it saying like, basically listen to me. And Martin Luther says this, when I was a young man, I thought Paul was making too much of his call. I did not understand his purpose. I did not realize the importance of the ministry. We exalt our calling not to gain glory among men or money or satisfaction or favor, but because people need to be assured that the words we speak are the words of God. This is no sinful pride. It is holy pride. So what he's he's saying is, is that Paul is, he's not arrogant or proud in himself, or he's not affirming just for himself. He's affirming what God has called him to be. And so, and, and what God is calling you to do right now is to rescue this region from this cancerous doctrine. And we're going to see it's not like a small thing, a little disagreement. It's, it's a, a big thing. Verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul was not alone. This is always a, bad, a good sign. It's to see you're not alone. You have people around you, good people, and they care as well. When you find someone who's a lone ranger and they can't find a church that they, you know, none of them are good. They're all, you know, they all have problems. You know, I could do it better. You know, that those people, someone, I think they glared at me because I got a second cup of coffee, you know, and they hadn't had their first. It's like, you know, the, that, that's, that's the kind, not a kind of church I want to be a part of or, or one of the messages. The pastor said something I didn't want to hear or they didn't play my favorite worship song. Whatever it is, I'm just going to be my own church, Lone Ranger thing, that good. Paul was not that. As a matter of fact, when you see him close most of the letters he wrote, it was usually with like a whole crew. Hey, all these people want to say hi. They want to say hi to you and they say, they give you their greeting. They're like, they love you, you know. So he was always speaking from that and he always had relationships with people in the church and he addressed them by name often. So he was not a Lone Ranger I thought that was important to note. But verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts his, uh, his letters off often in this way. It's grace first. Grace to you and peace. The grace of God gives us the peace of God. And when we have the grace of God leading to the peace of God, we find like Christianity. We find like following Jesus. We find that's fruit from a life that is in following Jesus. You're experiencing the grace of God, meaning you've accepted that you need the grace of God. It's ruling in your heart and it's giving you peace, bringing peace. Where does it come from? God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the source is. Paul is going to be harping on the source being God. It all comes from him. It was all by him, all for him. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Who gave himself, he's, Paul is like in his fourth verse, and he's already referencing Jesus many, many times. And what he did, the sacrifice, like he's trying to get it out. Like, please guys, understand, the only reason that we have any standing with God at all is because what Jesus did on the cross it was God's plan to send his son to die. His son died as the perfect lamb, as a perfect uh, you know, offering before him. And now we are found alive in him. Gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Well, there's many sides to that, obviously, right? That he could deliver us here on earth, but constantly deliver us. We find our trust in him. It's an evil age. And it's been an evil age since sin entered into the world. There's never been a time without trials or without struggles. There's never been a time in history where, you know, we just kind of skated through no problem. Everything was easy. Every generation, every family, every person goes through something. And we have him there to help us and to save us and to deliver us. Both for eternity, but also currently allowing to give us that peace as we accept his grace. And it's all was his plan. And, And to him goes the glory. It's for him. It's his glory. Legalism. And this is this is. What the Judaizers were doing was le- they were being legalistic. They were bringing the law back in, the rules back in, so that they could show that they can keep the rules better than someone else. Legalism is all drawn around man worship, really. It's, it's excu- it looks like it's God worship, but it's man worship. It's like, look, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, you know, I'm do this better than you. Oh, I, I, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. I tithe this amount or I pray this often or I, you know, sing this loud. And you're like, please do not. It's not that big of a room, okay? But there's all these different things that, that legalism will say, this is a measuring. This is the measuring to which I can show that I am better than you. Measuring is, is interesting. It's, it's, you know, definitive where you could say, I think how, you know, how long does that look? I don't know. It looks about six feet. No, I think it looks like it's about five feet. Well, then you pull out a measuring tape and you find out which one's right. And it's, it's like, no, I'd rather not. I'd rather just kind of stick with thinking I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I don't want to do it. Actually, it was four feet. You're both way off, you know, but you bring out the measuring tape and all of a sudden that's it. No more talking about it. We got it. You know, even that's Google, right? You know, how, how far is it? How tall is, you know, Mount Everest? Well, oh, I think it's like probably like 6,000 feet up or so. You're like, well, might be more than that. And somebody else says, I think it's 100,000 feet up, you know. Well, no, not exactly. Somewhere in the middle there. But it, it's like real time, you know, like here. No, that's actually, that's actually not true. This is what it is. Here's the truth behind the matter. So we like measuring and we like being able to have these measures of, you know, who's faster, who does this, who does that. You know, I, I like watching NFL combine videos. Have you ever seen any of those? And you see them doing the, the sprints and it's like four, two, seven, four, two, you know, eight, four, four. And you're like, what a slow. That's like so fast. We're talking about a tenth of a second off, you know. But it's amazing. You can actually kind of see the difference. But guys will get drafted based off of a hundredth of a second or two hundredths of a second difference. I mean, what, what does that really mean? Not much. 
But we love metrics. We love being able to look at things and say, well, that measures up to this and this measures up to that. And so, therefore, you're an A, you know, draft style pick and you're a C because you're not very fast. So that's human nature. We like to take people, put them, rank them, tell them where they belong. Legalism does that and says, I'm a better Christian because I do all these things. Well, the gospel says, no, you're not. No one's better anything. Like you're, you know, you could be poor, you could be rich, you could be a slave, you could be free. You know, you could be a Gentile or a Jew. None of that matters. All that matters is that you're found in Jesus. And you have to understand it's, it's only for what he does. And here's the offensive thing to the man's mind, to our mind, to a fleshly human mind, is that we get no credit for it. But now I've been serving you for a while, Lord. So, is th- do you think this is like a debt you can pay off? Because you can't. There's no debt to pay off. And so the, our, our serving or our, our honoring of God is not because we think it's going to get us some higher standing. The standing is already there. We're using what God has given us for his glory. It's all like a love song to him. And so, but when you bring the legalism back in, the law was not bad. Like the, the, the you know, bringing in the Jewish law was not bad. Remember, it was God's idea. And that measuring was effective just to show, you know, hey, you're all running a six flat 40. And, and the only guys who can make it in are running in the low fours. Sorry, it's not going to work. You're just not even close. You'll never, you'll never make it. So it's to show us how much we've missed the mark. So that we go, it's hopeless. We need a miracle. And he says, I have a miracle. His name is Jesus. And so this is, this is why that the legalism is such a, a rough. And for Paul, Paul being one that, that was very much in the law, very much in that Jewish, he, he understands this mindset more than the people who are trying to get into it. He's like, please don't tell me about Judaism. Like, I know Judaism. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is way better than that. The law spoke to needing a Messiah. The Messiah came. Now we live in him. Jesus was the one that fulfilled the law. And now we just live in him. And as we're living in him, we continue to fulfill the law, not by doing X, Y, Z or battening. down. It's just by the fruits of the spirit. And he's going to get into that later in the book. How do we not fulfill the lust of the lust of the flesh? It's not by, you know, making sure that you do everything right and you know you go and you do this and everything is completely dialed and perfect and this. No, the the way you don't do the lust of the flesh is you walk in the spirit. As we walk in the spirit, life comes out. There's fruit that's growing in our life. And it's a natural thing as we're walking with God. Jesus being our righteousness, that Holy Spirit moving inside of us, and there's new life. And if you've experienced this, you know. And and one of the ways you know it's of God is that you cannot take credit for it. And you, you would dare not. I think legalism is always a sign of of at least one generation, or not generation, but one mindset removed from the gospel. You're not seeing it right. 
Because you forgot how much of a sinner you were. You forgot what that law was for. And it was absolutely to persecute or prosecute you to the place where you knew you were dead to rights, guilty. And the punishment was death. And then the judge came down and saved you. He, he took, him, took on your penalty for himself and you were a free man. How much do you have to have, take credit for that? Oh, well, see, it's, the judge came down because I'm just so irresistible. No, it's like, I don't know why he came down, but he did. And all you can do, and all, all he wants from you to do, is just to say thank you and live like you're thankful. Live that way. Enjoy what's been given to you. And that thing that's been given to you is freedom from the law, freedom in Christ, freedom from sin. All glory to God. Verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He's like, Paul's like, I'm bewildered as to how this happened. Like, I'm, I'm marvel. Like, I'm, I'm not even angry. I'm just so confused. Like, I can't believe it. I can't put my, wrap my mind around how this is possible. That you would turn away from the gospel. And it's so soon, he says. Right? Because Paul would have been there not that long beforehand. He's like, how did this happen so fast that you're turning away from the best thing that you ever had going for you? You turn away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Again, pointing to the gospel. Him who called you in the grace of Christ. Again, putting all the glory, all the honor on God. You had nothing to do with this. And he says, to a different gospel. Now that's heavy, because he's saying it's a different gospel. It's not just a little bit of an addition. And verse 7 continues with that thought. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to take the gospel and make it a distorted view of it. He's saying you, you think that you want to be turned away from the gospel to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Because that gospel says you have to do stuff to get saved. Christianity is the only religion that says you can't do it. God, God did. He sent his son. There's no heavy trip or whatever. And if you view it as a heavy trip, it's okay. Like, that's everything we've ever known is heavy trips. This is freedom. Like, even if you're thinking, oh, it's a heavy trip, I can't go do the sin I want to do anymore. That, but sin's not freedom. This is, this is freedom from chains. This is complete freedom. Like, life abundant. It's like you have a piece of eternity. You can feel what it feels like to have the weight lifted off your shoulders and to be able to walk with God. What you were intended for, what you were created for was to walk with God. So you, the changing of the gospel, you know, this whole adding the law back in, it makes it no longer the gospel. There's always going to be a difference of opinion on doctrine. Right? Because people read things and they just read them a different way. And, and you can understand where people are coming from. Uh, it's always a little dangerous when you will defend your point on doctrine uh, and be willing to ignore, like, the rest of the Bible because of your one point. But most of that stuff is, like, pretty trivial. And it's kind of like, we'll all figure it out in heaven. <laughs> Whatever. Right? You know? 
I, it, it, there's different views and, and a, a lot of them, you know, through, if you go to different denominations, you could find nitpick things that are different, but this is, is, is not like that. This is a, is a deal breaker. So bringing legalism back into the gospel is no longer the good news of the gospel. It's now about you again. And here's the thing is, is, and you go, okay, great. This happened in, you know, that region 2000 years ago. What does this mean now? What does this mean for me? Because the, the need to perform and the need to qualify ourselves is still in us, right? Like how many of you prayed when you were a kid? God, if you get me out of this, I'll do it. This and I'll do this and I'll do that. Like, it's like you're bartering with God. I got you, God. If somehow you change that F on the report card to an A and some, you know, whatever, then, uh, you know, I'll follow you for sure. You know, it'll be a contract. It'll be a deal. I'll be your guy. I'll even tell people about you. He's like, please don't. Cause this is not that kind of relationship. Please don't represent me. <laughs> but we still think that like, and, and there's this inherent thing in us that, that comes from when we try to take glory, we put ourselves in a bit of a God position as opposed to allowing him be God. When we, when we, when we decide who's better than someone else, you're judging like God. And so when you put yourself in that position, you put a whole bunch of weight on your shoulders that you don't need and you were never supposed to carry. So freedom that's found in the gospel says, I don't have to worry about any of that. I just get to be free in him and speak life and have life. Tori and I were talking about that. Like, like there's a, there is like a whole need for life right now in people. Like, it's just like, there's just a, there's a heaviness of where everyone is telling everyone what to do and where to go. But there's like, where's life? It's like, you have, and the only way to do is not just to speak it, but to be in it. It's not something you can just tell someone about. You have to experience it yourself Right? Like you have to be healthy in Christ to, to be able to, to give it. It's an essence. It's not just like words. Because you can take the very same words that can edify from the Bible and you can use them for destruction too. You go, well, it's God's word. It's not going to return void. Well, that's true. But the way you did that was pretty wicked, man. You know, like you, you, you used it as the wrong kind of sword. You're using it to, to wound people. And it, what it really reveals is your heart. And it says a lot about the minister. And that's a lot of what people are reading too. You. So the whole legalistic trip thing, uh, a lot of it comes down to the fact that if we're allowing legalism in our life, this will be something that you'll be thinking, God is mad at me. God doesn't like me. He's just like deals with me somehow. He copes with me. He's, he's, he looks at me and he says, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, my son died for him. Kind of wish he didn't cause I don't like you. And I know you said the sinner's prayer at one point, you know, and I know you're, you know, doing all these, I just, but I don't really like you. I can't really stand you. That is not God. How do we know who God is? What he looks like? We find that in Jesus and Jesus was the one he came and he died for all the world, for all of us. The gospel is God's love story to us. So when we distort it and make it into our thing, it's offensive to God. 
extremely offensive. And to call it the gospel, which is the good news, is a straight-up lie. So just to be encouraged, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ coming and dying for us and then rising again from the dead so that we could be saved, the good news of the gospel is that God really likes you and, and he really has a plan for you. And, it's, and you didn't have to do anything. He does it. And the works that will come out of your life are things that will come naturally from a life that is enjoying God. And if not, then those works aren't going to be worth anything at all. And it'll actually probably cause more problems than good. That's always the thing. It's like, if you want to serve, serve. If you don't want to serve, don't serve. There's, that's toxic. You know? If you, if you don't want to be... If your heart isn't in like serving the Lord in this way, then don't do it. Please help all of us out. Don't do it. Is that the heart of, of the pastor to say, well, we just hope no one serves. No, you want them to ser- people to serve. I want to serve, but it's got to be out of a place of, man, Lord, I just am enjoying you. And this is an outer outflow of that in my life. Uh, my witnessing. This is not, I don't do this because I have to, but I do it because it's an outflow of the things in my life. How can I but speak about the good things God's done in my life? Have to, I have to say it. You've got to know. That this world full of chaos? Well, guess what? There's one that's bigger than this. He spoke all this into existence. He's holding things back. He's, he's so in control. And he loves you. He's crazy about you. That's the gospel. Bringing anything else in is a distortion, a mutation, a perversion of that gospel. That's heavy. And he says, you know, here, here it is. There are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to trouble you. They want to cause issues for you. You know what? Because when you trouble someone, you have control. Don't, you notice everything is fear-based right now. Everything is fear-based. We're talking about this. Right? Sean and I were talking about this. Even, even, even marketing is fear-based. If you don't have this car, you mentioned this, it was good. if you don't have this car with these airbags, what's going to happen if you get in a car accident? I guess you don't love your kids. Like everything is fear-based, but perfect love casts out fear. So the world, all they're going to do is give us fear because fear is control. If I tell you, here's the bad news, well, here, but, but if you stay with us, we'll keep you saying, eh, no. I'm with God. I'm not worried about this. They want to pervert the gospel and bring trouble to you so they can control you. Because they want to be God, not him. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Funny how this would come up later, isn't it? Even if another angel preaches the gospel to you. Did this ever happen? Isn't that kind of funny? Like, Paul's like sitting there and he's, he's you know, having this transcript. Paul didn't really write it. was, you know, someone writing it for him and he's saying it. And he's like, you know what? Even if an angel says it. And they're like, okay, interesting take, Paul. Now we look t- 2,000 years later and you look back and you go, yeah, there was some angels saying some stuff with, about a different gospel. Oh, and guess what? It's legalistic. It's always back on man, back on himself. So, you know, 
if you have any more questions about that, I can let you know. I'm not turning this into a cults and bashing class or anything like that. But the idea is if there's, he, he says, if we or an angel, meaning if anybody tells you any different gospel, let him be accursed because he is manipulating and twisting up the best thing that we could possibly have, the unbelievable gift of God. The Holy just this beautifully manifested love song to us. It's been manipulated and twisted. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel uh, to you than what uh, you have received, let him be accursed. Paul's throwing haymakers here because he's like, I will not play nice with heretics. I won't. Because I can't watch this happen to you. Remember 2 Corinthians, as we're reading through the whole, both letters to Corinth. His whole desire is not to like show them that they're wrong and he's right. I need you to see how much smarter I am than you. His whole desire is to, to see them be free. Remember, he says, be complete. He loves this church. And that's how you know, really, he's an apostle from God. He's acting as God sent one. He's acting... Like he's doing what Jesus would do. He loves them. And so he doesn't want to see them bound up. Remember legalism is what Jesus came down super hard on. Like he was super gnarly on, on legalism, legalistic. He was, he was just, he couldn't handle the, the these Judaizers, these fake, you know, man-made religion, you know, and, and their heavy rules and their heavy weights. He spoke, Super gnarly against them. He he was around sinners all the time. And he was always like ministering to them. He was meeting them where they were at. He was ministering to them. He didn't expect them to see when they couldn't see. But then when he saw those who were supposed to be representing God. And that they were uh, manipulating it. Using it. Perverting it. Distorting it. For their own good. He had no sympathy on them. And they're the ones of course that killed him. But he said, basically, again, if anyone preaches any other gospel than what you've received, let him be accursed. Um, For, verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Here's the real issue. Those who seek to distort are seeking to please men. Their reward is here. Their control is here. This is the only power that they have. They don't believe in God being eternal and having, you know, these treasures and laid up for them in heaven. They're only focused on here, getting the most you can out of life here, manipulating, doing whatever you have to do to get the most cars and houses and and people under you and, and fear, whatever it is you can do here. That's what the world knows. But we aren't like that. Paul's saying, I'm not like that. Do I persuade men or God? If I, if I wanted to please men, uh, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I don't care about pleasing men. I care about honoring God and serving God because he's the one that loves me and set me free. All this world has given me is problems. All that the flesh is giving is problems. It's not one thing, it's another. There's always something, right? 
But I cho- he chose, he says, I'm a bond servant of Christ. And so that is who I'm going to serve. And this whole book is going to be about the freedom found in Jesus. The freedom found in the cross. The blood that was shed for the remission of sins. So that our, our sins are done away with. When God looks at us, he, he smiles because he sees the righteousness of Jesus on us. And he just wants to see us be complete in him. So there's a couple different words here, I guess, this morning. And we're actually going to be closing. We're going to have communion, which is perfect because, you know, this is the gospel message. A couple words here this morning. One, if you're you're caught up thinking God doesn't like you, um, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And there's a mindset that you have that thinks you still have to earn his, his love and his trust. And a lot of times that gets screwed up because, you know, your parents weren't great, maybe. Or uh, you didn't measure up. Or, you know, you've just been, you've, you've always fail and you always this and you always that, whatever it is. God loves you and he wants to do something in you. And the first thing he wants to do is set you free from the expectations and the fears of the world. And as soon as you're free from that, God's going to, there's, the whole world opens up because you're just like, I'm serving you. I'm following you. So that's like one thing is you might not think God likes you. And another thing is, is maybe you're hard on somebody else. You're being rough. And you're allowing yourself to be one of these people. That you've kind of brought all the laws back in and you're, you're just not super fun to be around. And you're, yeah, you're the Bible person, but you've got no love and you've forgotten how far you fell and how much you need the grace of God. Maybe that's you here today. I don't know. And maybe, maybe you, this is the first time you even heard this. So then maybe that's you and you're like, uh, sign me up. <laughs> I want to meet that guy. I want to know him. I want that Holy Spirit to be living inside of me so that these, the fruit will be being produced in my life. And so I won't be a slave to sin. I won't be a slave to what people say, a slave to fear. So I can experience the grace of God that leads to the peace of God. So you might find yourself in any of those camps. When we're honest with ourselves, that's a great place to start. And you just bring it before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord. Take it. Use me, like, like work with me. What here's, here's what it is. I'm here. Like meet me here, God, change me, take away these, the burdens or the weights and the heaviness and let me be free in you. So we're going to pray and we're going to, um, Kellen's going to come up and the worship team, we're going to do a song of communion. Um, communion is something that, uh, we are asked in scripture to do in remembrance of Jesus. Uh, the bread, it's like unleavened bread, leaven representing sin, which is like yeast. So it's like a cracker, uh, is, represents the body of Jesus, right? And it was broken and it was punched and it was pierced for our transgressions and as he was up on the cross. So that represents the body of Jesus. And then the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. The blood covered our sins all throughout the Old Testament speaks of blood being atonement, covering sin. And Jesus was that perfect atonement. And so we do this in remembering this is what it's all about. Why does it say do this in remembrance of me? Because this is the thing that we've got to keep central in our following of Jesus, the gospel. 
It's, it's that we could not have ever done it on our own. Who's the biggest screw up in the room? We could all raise our hands and make a case for ourselves, right? But that none of that matters. Because he says, I will take all of that and I will replace it with a new heart and a new life. And I've seen it in here, what it looks like. And it is unbelievable what God can do with an open heart that says, I'm just done. I'm so sick of trying to do this on my own. I'm so sick of trying to please man. I'm so sick of holding all this weight on me. And I need to be free. And that freedom is found in Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for that.